Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. And so this name is saying there's not even a comparison. Mm. You know, in Greek culture, it's Zeus is the most powerful. Well, he's not. Not compared to our God, Elohim, the most powerful of all. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. Our finite humanness means that it's very difficult to understand who God is. He's revealed himself to us in a variety of ways to help us. And one of the ways is through his names. There are many different names that describe God. And he goes by various names to reveal certain characteristics and facets about himself. And we're going to be working through a bit of a series on the names of God. Today, we're going to learn about the name Elohim. Elohim, exactly. I've always been fascinated by his names because I can remember years and years and years ago thinking, why does he have to have so many <laughs> names? Well, the reason is he's so complex mm. that each, again, as you just said, each name reveals just something about him. Uh, if you read Genesis 1 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Actually, I just want to jump in there. In the beginning, God created it. Yeah, and that's right. The, yep. <laughs> every time I look at that now, I see that's the untranslatable word. But when it says God there, the the Hebrew word is Elohim. So Elohim is the Hebrew word for God that appears in this particular verse. Actually, it appears many times throughout the Bible. It's But it's plural. Okay, El, it could possibly be Eloah, but El means God and Him means that that, that is a name that is plural. Now, this, I've got to stress this, that doesn't mean that Elohim means many gods. Mm-hmm. Right, it just means that there is a plurality to to who God is. Yeah. Uh, hence, so many names, I guess, because he's <laughs> so multifaceted. Um, but it, we in the in the Christian world would say this is the Godhead, and That's then right. we would define it even further and say the Trinity. Mm. And really, but, it's interesting that on, in the first verse of the Bible, the, the Trinity is being hinted at, even in that name, isn't precisely. it? Precisely. I mean, remember when we talked about Shema well, months ago now, and how Shema calls him Echad, it's one. Mm-hmm. Yet, this particular name, right in the very first verse, is saying that he is plural, yeah. that he is not simply one as an isolated, solo entity. Mm. So, you, yeah, it, it can be kind of confusing for. <laughs> Uh, well, me. But again, I don't want to. En- I do want to emphasise again. This is not saying that God is multiple gods. Yeah. Okay. Because again, it can be very confusing. People will then, you know, say, "Oh, you said God is many gods." No, he's not. He's he's he, there's a plurality to him, but he's not different mm. gods. So the name Elohim is is very unique in Jewish thought. In that it occurs only in the Hebrew language. It's not found in any other Semitic languages either. The name itself is a reminder that he is the one responsible for absolutely everything we see around us. He created the heavens, the earth. He separated light from darkness, water and dry land, night and day. So he is this all-powerful, all-encompassing, all-everything God. That's what Elohim means. He is everything, this most most powerful, most exorbitant, most extreme. If you think about what is the most powerful, multiply that by a bazillion. <laughs> you know, he is everything. It's all encompassed in this name. And not many people are aware of the fact that 
Jesus actually used a form of this particular name for God when he was um, in Gethsemane uh, and when he was praying uh, to the Father where he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? Actually, that wasn't Gethsemane. He was on the cross when mm. he said that. But that word Eloi, Eloi is El. It's Eloi, Elohim. He mm-hmm. was calling out in that darkest of times for the most powerful yeah. entity in the universe, his father, who was the supreme power. And he was calling out to him in that agony that he was mm. um, experiencing on the cross. You can read that in Mark 15. But the really interesting thing about God, and there are a lot of very interesting things about God, but one in particular is that he has so many names. They all say something about who he is, so big and complex. Now, again, the name Elohim being plural, not singular, and not many gods either, but it's like, you know, when we say he is the God of all gods, he is the king of all kings, he is the Lord of all lords, we know there are no other gods, but if you look throughout history, there are many people who claim that there are gods. And so this name is saying there's not even a comparison. Mm. You know, in Greek culture, it's Zeus is the most powerful. Well, nah, he's not. Yeah. Not compared to our God, Elohim, yeah. the most powerful of all. Well, I love when you see King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's the capital K, King yes. of Lowercase kings, kings, you know, because he is that supreme ruler. Yes, yeah, he is, and 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 one of you know, I'm just like digressing here, as you said that. I, I kind of think back to the stories in the old covenant about like when the Philistines were confronted. They remember they they captured the ark, mm. and then they'd walk into the temple of Dagon, and Dagon's on his face, and his hands are broken, his head's broken, <laughs> yeah, and, right. and then the whole of the the population are getting boils and hemorrhoids yeah. and. And my first thought was, okay, they sent God away, but they wanted to go back to their yeah, own right. God yeah. who was impotent yeah. when they could have yeah. embraced the one true God who was demonstrating so much power. Mm. You know, yeah, I, I think of those things and I think I don't, I don't get why people reject. Yeah, they who see he the is. power and then walk away from it anyway. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Now, in Genesis one twenty seven, it says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, the Hebrew word for image is tselem, and it means likeness, resemblance, or assemblance. And it also can mean like a phantom and a figurative illusion or a representative figure, which is what we are. Sometimes what we do is we think we're made in his image and likeness because he's divine, we're divine. We are not God's. We are not divine. We may be eternal creatures, but we're not divine. Mm. What this here is saying, this image means that we are a resemblance of him, having his likeness. We are a figurative, illusional, representative figure of him, but we are not divine like him. And we have to be really careful that we don't try to elevate ourselves to being like Elohim when we're simply his representative. And when you look at what... Um, Adam was commanded to do. He wasn't commanded to be God. He was commanded to be a steward. He was commanded to take care of, to name, to be a custodian of, and to care for the creation. We don't want to sort of confuse that because there are some fairly unhealthy doctrines going around Mm. about that. And the other thing, too, is that because God is so high and so lofty and powerful and almighty, the creator 
and again, when you look at all the des- descriptions that describe God, it says that he ha- he can see us. So he, we think, oh, he's got eyes. And his arm is is strong. So, oh, he's got arms. And he can hear us. Oh, he's got ears. You know, and he's, heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. So we kind of think, oh, he's a physical person, but he's not. But he uses those words because that's our form and we can then relate to him and understand. And uh, what's really important is that we don't, again, that we don't humanize him, but that we remember that he is explaining himself in terms and according to methods that we can understand so that we can uh, become or get to know him. But we also know that being sinful means that we cannot actually look upon God and survive. Mm. So how do we then have this reconciliation so that we can actually be in relationship with this loving creator who wants to be in relationship with us? Well, of course, we we already know he sent Messiah, Jesus taking on the form of a human being and, and, and becoming like one of us and yet actually not like us because he was sinless, he was perfect. But then you go, well, how do I still get to know the Father? And so I want to finish with this because remember that... Um, when um, it was uh, Philip who said to Jesus, he said, show us the Father, you know. They'd been traveling with Jesus for three years. He said, show us the Father. He said, have you have I been with you so long and you yet have not come to know me? Philip, he said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. That is how we come face to face with the Father is that we come face to face with the Son. We're mm. in relationship with him. He cleanses us. He makes us clean. And the day is coming. When we will breathe our last, and then we will actually stand face to face with him, and it will not be our demise, it will be our future. Mm, What a wonderful promise and something to look forward to. We're going to explore another name of God in our next program. We're going to learn about the name El Roy. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.